Hey everyone, we are back with Do The Boo episode 98. We are getting close to the big 100 spot. Hey Brad, my co-host, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Bob? You getting snowed in over there? Is it is it just the rest of the country? You know, actually we got an ice storm here on the ocean. So we were frozen up for a couple days. We were without power for 30 hours. Wow. And um, it was an interesting time. Those are always scary, ice storms. So yeah, so it's like how did you spend your time on the couch by the propane fireplace for 30 hours under three blankets. And it becomes real tiring after about one hour, but you know, we dealt with it. Other people have a worse, so I'm not going to, you know, it's over with, <laughs> you know, for some people that sounds like a dream and then yeah, for other people, <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. So yeah. Yeah. It's always, there's always going to be something worse going on out there. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it is. Depends on the type of person you are. I think. Yeah. Well, we have a great show, great guest. And before we dive into that, I'd just like to thank our community sponsor, PayPal. Uh, I've mentioned them before with their buy now, pay later. A great option to get your clients on if they are already using PayPal. Helps conversions. And I'll be talking more about that midway through the show, giving you more details on that. So without further ado, I would like to welcome our guest, Beth Hannon. How you doing, Beth? Doing good. Thanks for having me. How are, how's your part of the world? Um, we had uh, two nights with five inches of snow each. I got to break out the electric snowblower last week. So <laughs> it's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're all dealing with it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm done with it. Sure. I'm, I, and I'm usually a winter guy, but I don't know. This year's been a lot. There's been a lot more snow than, than I can remember in a long time. So. I am over it. I'm out of yeah. salt. I'm tired of shoveling. I don't have a snowblower. Maybe I need to get one for next season, but I'm done. We got the snowblower when we had the one winter with 48 inches of snow in 48 <laughs> <Wow>. hours. <laughs> That's when you just, like Bob said, you just go on the couch for a few days, put a fire on, yeah, and just wait for it to melt. <laughs> yeah, read a lot and eat. Maybe a few weeks at that rate. Eat dry crackers, you know. It's that's all. It's like okay, got to keep that refrigerator closed. <laughs> Crazy. All righty. Well, so Beck, what we normally do is ask the infamous question to start out the show. How do you do the woo? Yeah. So we, I run an agency, Bedhead and Business Websites. And we focus mostly on WordPress and accessibility, although we do some things with WooCommerce. And um, we have a few e-commerce sites and a learning management system site, but our big sites that we use WooCommerce on are membership sites. So we have some organiza a couple of large organizations that wanted to be able to bring their offline membership systems online with some options for doing online payments and recurring payments. So we do WooCommerce plus WooCommerce memberships and subscriptions. And then those organizations wanted to do uh, directories. So we pull in Gravity and Gravity Forms and Gravity View to do that. Cool. All right. Well, we'll dive into a little bit more about that, but we'd love to hear your kind of your journey to WordPress and then how this Woo cropped up at some point along the way. Yeah. So my background is not... Um, my training anyway, is not um, coding or development. I um, started as with about a 15 year career in nonprofit management. And I was doing techie geeky things for the organizations I was a part of and uh, building drag and drop websites and doing email newsletters. And uh, right at the beginning of 2008, 
the last organization I was working for downsized my position and my family needed to stay uh, in the city where we were living. And so I kind of accidentally fell into the idea that people would pay you to do those techie geeky things for them. I didn't, it had never occurred to me really. And before that, and uh, so I started doing some of that and uh, hadn't been doing it too long and was doing a drag and drop website. And I uh, was telling a friend that, um, you know, Hey, I'm, people are starting to pay me to do this. And he says, you should totally do that in WordPress. I said, I've never even heard of WordPress. So we had um, been talking at a conference over the weekend. We went back on, on Monday uh, you know, this was uh, 2000, end of 2008. Um, we both got on the phone and he, um, we logged into the back end of his WordPress website and I was hooked forever. Um, it was just the totally blown away with what WordPress would do and be able to do. And so um, started just building sites for people, and cut, uh, you know, initially as an assembler and then quickly learned a lot of, you know, kind of got up to speed on coding and uh, started building out sites for people. Sounds like love at first sight. Oh, oh yeah. uh, and we're and done then, here. No. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's done. Bob's cut off after that one. I I couldn't help that. You know that was just that came to mind. No, but you know I got involved, and then uh, I went to my first Word Camp in 2013 when I went to Word Camp LA, and just got kind of hooked, really hooked with the community. And uh, I think Bob, you and I might have first met in San Francisco in 2014. Yeah, I think. Uh, and, you know, just that sense of the community and getting connected and giving back and being a part of that. And yeah. Served on the support team. So one of the moderators on the support forum. So, yeah. So fast forwarding, how did Woo come into the, into play with, um, you know, obviously kind of came into play through those membership sites. Yeah. So initially for both, uh, for the first organization that we did that for, we had been primarily doing um, event registrations and we were using gravity forms and doing a ton of customization and complex registration forms with them. And for some other organizations too, kind of more of that. And then this organization said, we want to put our, um, our membership uh, online, right? So people are supposed to be paying every year. We just want to get rid of that, chasing people down for checks and getting them in the mail and all of that processing. And so we looked around and initially we looked at doing, you know, just setting up a recurring transaction through, set, you know, initiating a gravity form. But pretty quickly we figured out that when you do that, people can't cut it off. They have to call you to cut it off. They have to call you and you depend on you to cancel or change their card or, and so that just became sort of an increasing um, debt of having to ma management debt. And so we were looking for some other options that would allow people the options for doing their own cancellations or doing their own updates of their cards and uh, pretty quickly found um WooCommerce and subscriptions. And then when they needed to control some of the content, the membership system kind of fell into place. Yeah, I noticed you have a um, big focus on accessibility, which I think is a, uh, we kind of touched it early on in the show, but um, I love the topic of accessibility. It's something that's dear and dear to, to, to my heart. And it's something that uh, at my company, we also put a, put a pretty large focus on. It's pretty evident from your website, um, that sex accessibility is also a very important 
um, part of all the projects that you do as well. You blog about it, you write about it, your services are wrapped around it. I'm curious, you know, one, like how you, how that became such an important part of what you do, because I think especially starting out, that's an easy one to overlook. Sure. Um, or, or even an easy one or a hard one to even maybe sell early on as you're kind of learning, you know, I think I, I know we struggled with it as well. Um, but you quickly understand once you do get into it, the importance of it. So I'm just curious kind of that, how that progressed and how it became such a major focus with the work that you're doing. Yeah, so um, we had um, one of the things that we started out doing just for the recurring income was doing kind of managed ho- some managed hosting for folks. And one of our clients um, continues to this day is a, a a water district in Central California, large agricultural growers water district in Central California. Um, they let us know about four years ago that they were aware that they needed to get into compliance around some accessibility issues in the state of Cal- with state of California. And so we initially said, well, we can try and refer you to some folks. And they said, no, no, we, we want to learn all this stuff together because they trusted us. And, uh, and so we dived in and really just learned a ton with them about accessibility, redesigned their site, got them in, um, you know, we're still working to get them into compliance because they do a lot of things like produce these 75 page reports with all kinds of things or send out, uh, you know, regular news announcements and things. And so really working at some ways to get them into compliance. And um, as a part of that learning cycle, we started meeting some people with disabilities that we're using. And once you see someone who depends on a screen reader and how they use it to become, you know, just be, you know, to be independent and have that sense of human dignity. And uh, it it just really hooks you. And we just became passionate about making the web. I mean, it's a, it's just a karma thing for, you know, kind of pay it forward. And just, that's a great thing to be passionate about is making the web accessible for everybody. And yeah, I love um, it. So we, we really, we, yeah, we really like doing that. So we've been doing more and more of that. Yeah, it's very respectful because while a lot of companies still put some type of a focus on it, it's not always at the forefront of those conversations. And in reality, it really should be. Um, I'm very much a proponent, like you said, it's all about making the the you know the world a better place, making the web accessible for everybody. Um, and and honestly, I feel like nowadays it's an easier sell for clients because I've, you know the liability is one thing that most people are somewhat familiar with at this point. There is potentially liability if your site's not accessible. Um, so for large corporations, that's clearly going to be very important to them. Uh, but also, there's a lot of wins outside of just oh, yeah. making your site accessible because there's a lot of overlap between accessibility and like SEO, for example. Um, so I've found over the years that it's been an easier sell for companies that maybe aren't as focused on it. Because inherently, by making your site more accessible, you're also making it more SEO, you know, performant, um, you know, and you're going to and you'll inherently see some gains in search ranking just because of that fact. Yeah, I actually have a word, uh, a meetup and WordCamp talk that I do on the, you know, I call it the business case for accessibility, but it's sort of that could come off as offensive to some people with disabilities. Right. But, yeah, could, yeah. but, but uh, we, you know, talking about it's not just the reducing the liability, it's not even just the SEO, but it's making a better user experience for everybody mm-hmm. when you when you do that. It's an invest great investment in your brand. Uh, you know, you can a lot of that social purchasing stuff where people are, you know, quick to, you know, do their values-based purchasing. Uh, so having your site be accessible, put a little accessibility statement at the bottom, and it's a great um, you know, uh, potential for 
pulling in those folks that are value-based buyers. Yeah. And um, so, you know, a lot of those pieces, investing in your customers, we know disabilities increase as people get older and it's, it's uh, cheaper to keep your customers than to get new ones. And um, all of those things have come together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, put your, put yourself on the, in, in one of your customers or visitors shoes. And if, if their first experience on your website is a frustrating one and they're unable to, to do whatever they're trying to do, whether it's buy a product read an article, subscribe to a service, you've lost them. Exactly. And the chances of them coming back are very slim, <laughs> you know, slim to none. Just like you lose a, a customer in general, the chances of them coming back right. are slim to none. But if your first experience of a business is through frustration and clearly them not putting a focus on accessibility, like would they, it, it, I like to, another way I like to look at it is, is also through brick and mortar accessibility. Cause I think that's a little more tangible for people to understand when you start talking about this. And, and what I mean is like, you know, ramps up to a business. You have to have a wheel, you know, businesses in the U S have to be accessible to wheelchairs. You know, that's just, we all know that everybody knows that we all see ramps, you know, it's great. It's the right thing to do, but the web is, is behind, right? Cause we don't have those laws in place that say every business has to have an honor, a, a ramp. Like we don't have that in the U.S. Right. Well, I think, you know, things are changing and, uh, you know, we have the the lawsuits that get filed are filed under the same law around the ramps, right? The Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA. Mm -hmm. And so more and more of those cases are coming forward. We're gradually building up some um, cases that are pointing toward the guidelines, the WCAG guidelines as the kind of standards. But I do think that, you know, web accessibility will be in the... 2020s, what mobile responsive was in the teens, right? There's a, was it's a small uh, set of folks at first that are kind of concerned about those things, but today, no self-dispecting developer would build a site that's not mobile responsive. And by the end of 2020s, it'll be the same for, um, you know, accessibility. I, I hope so too. I mean, that's a and that's a great analogy because you mentioned like 2008, I think, is when you first started kind of dabbling with this. Um, you know, back in 2008 you know, even responsive was very, was kind of new. That was new. Like it didn't really become like a, a really kind of a normal thing for another couple of years. It was very kind of futuristic web tech. Look what these, you know, look what interesting things people are doing, but now you just, you don't even think about it. Of course we're going to build it responsive. It's almost not even mentioned. It's so like understood that it's just going to be responsive because why would you build it any other way? You know? So I hope that's the same for accessibility. Yeah, and when a client asked me on a project, will this be, will this be work on mobile phones? And I think, I know in my head, I'm thinking, of course it's going to work yeah. on mobile phones. That's kind of like a. But you know, there's there are businesses out there that that's a question that probably needs to be asked of them. <laughs> you know, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I love it. I think, and I also think, you know, again, kind of going back to the idea of, again, my advice to people is always make it a part of the conversation from the start, just like you would SEO. Same thing, right? You're not going to wait until you built your whole website and say, okay. Now, how are we going to optimize this for search engines? Of course you're not, right? You're going to spend the time up front to say, we're going to build this site so it's optimized. And then we're going to have some kind of a content strategy beyond, you know, to continue to push out great content. Can it, can you keep our rank high? Um, the same thing for accessibility. If you handle it from the front, it doesn't become this massive expense or, or, or time and cost at the end of a project. It's just part of the project. So it's not really doing a necessarily above and beyond there might be some cases where you do need to go above and beyond it's just doing things smartly from the start rather than building them and then having to rework them it's more much more cost effective not only in terms of just the the cost of the client but the you know the time and labor for the developer right because if you build something out you get a mock you get a mock-up approved but then we find out later that that color scheme isn't going to produce 
color contrast, enough color contrast, then you've got to go back to the client. You've got to get that color approved. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it just takes a long time. A lot, it stretches out the project. Yeah. I, so this is an area, I think anybody that's listening, that's building sites, um, you know, whether you're directly involved in this or not, I think it's important that you are familiar with this topic and familiar with what it means to make a website accessible. And honestly, like everything we build, we make it accessible, whether it's, and I, I'm sure you're the same way based on your, your website and your, um, you know, language around it, but whether it's a requirement for them or not, we do it, you know, we build it accessible. And if they're, for some reason, something they have provided us does not pass it. And it's usually what you said, colors, logos, things around a logo. It's like, Hey, your colors are not accessible together. Okay. Like we're going to tell you about it, but I'm not going to force you to change your logo. Right. But we're at least going to alert you to the fact that your logo does not pass accessibility, but everything else we build on your website does. Um, we do it regardless because it's the right thing to do. It just really is. Yeah. We'll, we'll build it out with their colors, but we make them sign a release that says we've notified you that these colors are not going to be accessible. And then uh, if, if in the future you should be a lawsuit where you know, you've released us from liability, but you're also going to pay all our expenses because you know that they're going to pull us in to be a witness or, you know, have some statement. Right. So they're going to pay all of our expenses related to any future. And sometimes that's enough to say, Ooh, that's, we better take that seriously. Maybe let's think about that. Yeah. I have to sign something. (laughs) Other times. No, we had one just last week. Sign off. Uh, Nope. Nope. We understand. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like we work with some pretty, some, some, we have a pretty wide range of clients just, you know, with, you can imagine with WordPress on the larger side, the enterprise side is where obviously we struggle with that because, you know, a major, you know, Fortune 500 is not going to change their stuff just because of us, but yeah, we alert them to it. So, uh, but I just kind of circle back into the, the WooCommerce because obviously everything we talk about here on the web does relate. I'm curious if there's any um, around WooCommerce or e-com- I should say e-commerce specifically, which obviously WooCommerce falls into, but what kind of around accessibility and e-commerce, I'm curious what kind of different things, advice or thoughts, things that are different from a normal website that people maybe need to think about from an accessibility standpoint. Um, are there key differences that you can call out? Is it generally in your mind fairly the same because at the end of the day, it's all content or is there more more to it? Maybe just some general advice for for Woo. Yeah, and by and large, it's the same principles, right? And so uh, co- kind of two parts to accessibility. One has to do with things related to the theme, right? So you want to make sure that you're picking a theme that is got uh, accessibility ready, got some accessibility things like skip links already built in and the menu is built with some ARIA labels, all of those kinds of things. So it's built out from the beginning, from the theme side. And then then the other, the bigger part in many ways, as you've kind of mentioned, is the content and building that all out and just sort of being aware of those sort of basic accessibility things like, uh, you know, there should be only one H tag on the page and, uh, and, you know, then you're making sure you're nesting those H tags semantically, uh, making sure you're putting in your alt, uh, alt, lay, alt tags. Right. Um, so all of those things are kind of the same. Um, and by and large, you know, making sure that you can go through and somebody can, you know, um, one great way to test your site for keyboard navigation and all of the accessibility devices for people who who are um, mobility impaired, they can't use a mouse. Uh, all of those adaptive devices come down to keyboard navigation and people who use screen readers are, are using keyboard navigation. So if you just go to your website and start tabbing through Right. Can you do can you kind of navigate through that buyer's purchase sort of journey, which is your keyboard? 
can you get to a product? Can you get it into the cart? Can you get, you know, tab, 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 get to the button? Can you, you know. It would be an interesting test for anyone out there with a store. Go on there and see if you can actually check out using just your keyboard. Purchase something, add it to your, or add it to your cart, go through the whole process, and, only, and never touch your mouse or your screen. Just your keyboard. <laughs> it's a good test. It would be. I wonder how many people would pass. There's a challenge, Bob. We got to put it out there. So, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. That, or, or, or the question would be, how? When's the last time you've tested that? Right? Like, I bet the answer is never. Right. You know, and, and I, I understand it. Like, there, you know, testing checkout processes on a million different scenarios is daunting and can be challenging. So, there's obviously scanners you can run. There's third-party services you can do. Paid user testing, which I think is insanely valuable if you're trying to solve a, oh, yeah. a struggle, something like this. You can literally pay people to go on your website that have no knowledge of your website and do something, right? And do some kind of a task and it records it. It gets the real-time feedback. They're talking to Noah Mike. It's it's like mind-boggling to watch people. You think something's so intuitive and they get on there and it's not, you know, it's not. Yeah. And so a couple of things that you mentioned, you know, those automated testing tools only uncover about 30% of the accessibility issues on a website because a lot of things really are dependent on the situational piece, right? Um, and you can you can do some of that testing um, yourself, but you're right. Having uh, some of it is really um, doing testing with people who have various disabilities. We recently, like um, several months back, sent our lead developer who uh, does most of our stuff around uh, accessibility, leads the uh, kind of manages the the audits that we do, the accessibility audits that we do. We sent her to do. I've, I I found the uh, the firm. That, that does the training on screen readers for the Oregon Federation for the Blind. So Nick Peterson. And so we sent her off to do screen reader training as if she were a visually impaired person. And so um, it was amazing because she said then she watched the instructor and how he was using the screen. So she's been using screen readers to kind of navigate our sites for a long time as we're doing our testing. But people who depend on them day in and day out use them differently, <laughs> right? It was that light bulb moment of, oh, yeah, they're, they, one of the things they do, for instance, is um, they would go to a page and then they would just tab through the main headings and link text, right? Just like, and if you think about it, that's what I do as a visual person when I'm looking at the page. I'm just scanning through. We don't actually read all the content. We're just scanning through at the headings, right? And and looking at what the links are. Um, but just knowing that and how that's different, then begins to we begin to think about how we put things together just a little bit differently. How we're going to test when we're doing those audits a little bit differently. Yeah. Thanks to our sponsor, PayPal. PayPal offers buy now, pay later options that your clients can use to help increase their sales on their WooCommerce shops. They give store customers more purchasing power through flexible and transparent choices in how and when they pay. So offering these payment options is good business. Did you know that 64% of consumers surveyed say they are more likely to make a purchase at a retailer that offers interest-free payment options? And 56% of consumers that responded agree that they prefer to pay a purchase back in installments rather than use a credit card. Well, this seems like a no-brainer to me. Your clients can grow their sales and get paid up front with no additional risk or costs. All you need to do is download the PayPal checkout extension on the marketplace at WooCommerce.com. 
I suggest you just head over there, click on the marketplace, and search for the PayPal checkout for your next client project. Because suggesting that to your clients will certainly open up sales opportunities for them. I would just like to thank PayPal for being our community sponsor at Do The Woo. And now back to the conversation. Yeah, I, I, I was actually wondering, do you ever, you have this so ingrained in your your brain, this accessibility. And outside of your work, when you're shopping online, yes. do things catch your, it's like, oh, are, are there things that you see over and over happening? Or And do you actually ever test some of them while you're on there? Just think, I'm wondering if this really works. And and I'd just like to hear your um, maybe a, a story or two from that. <laughs> so uh, one one of the one of the niches that we've been working with a little bit more has been VC funded startups, and uh, so I went. There was a, there's a conference that I had been to uh, up in uh, Washington State uh, before, and I thought, oh, I should see if they're going to do that conference this year. I went to their site. They have a new website, but the the color contrast was, and you know, I'm get getting a little older and the 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 fonts are needing to be a little darker a little further out and i looked at that and i thought that's tiny and that doesn't let me test that <laughs> no 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 it didn't mean it so i emailed them <laughs> and of course you know I, i'm the like yeah i i tend to do that right in the store i'm like yeah. if you change the couple words on this sign above your product here you might sell more of them i've unsolicited marketing advice Come on, Bob, you've never QA'd a site and submitted a book yeah. to like a site yeah. you're, you're like shopping yeah. on or browsing and yeah. do that all the time. All yeah. the time. I'm wondering if you've oh. ever actually not bought anything because it was so irritating. You thought these people are just making a disaster out of this. Or if you oh, just yeah. think, okay, they, I mean, there's it's something that maybe even you, you know, without a disability had frustrations with, but you could see that this would amplify it with anybody that was trying to access it. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I think if I, I part of it is I right now I feel like people just ha, probably just don't know they don't know any better, right? But and you have to know you have to know better to do better. So I feel like we're still in this education piece. So I haven't quite gotten there, but I can see the day. I mean, I'm more of a values-driven buyer on lots of things, so I can see the day where you know maybe I've put in a few of those bug things and nothing is happening. Maybe I'm going to think twice about that for sure. Mm. I'm judgy. I just won't shop at places that don't yeah. have good experience. <laughs> even local, like I, I refuse to see food, which I, is probably, I should probably go talk to like, even local businesses. If they don't have a website, which probably by now most people do, but if you don't have a website, then, then I'm not going to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done that a couple of times and left it in the cart. And then they send me, you know, a coupon in mm-hmm. two days and say, I'll, we'll give you 25% off if you actually purchase this now. And I'm like, okay, now do I decide saving 25 cents is worth the misery or not. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. Sometimes you don't get a choice, right? It's a plugin you need, or it's a, whatever you need, you know, a product you need or want. Yeah. Nobody else sells it. Yeah. Just real quick. I want to kind of just to springboard off what you said, um, but around making sure you start with a good foundation. Um, I think that's a really good point that I just want to reiterate again, is if you, if you, there's a lot of themes out there, there's a lot of frameworks, a lot of places you could start. There's builders, there's so many choices. Um, if you start with a good foundation, like a really good framework or something that is already accessible out of the box, it doesn't mean it just magically stays accessible. You got to obviously, whatever you do to it, continue to make it accessible. But at least if the default state passes accessibility out of the box, then you're already a step ahead. And I think that's important for people to check into when they're looking at themes to buy potentially. 
Yeah, but also be sure that as you're developing your testing, because sometimes you can add you plugins like that will begin to do things. So the, you know, the default search box, for instance, might be fine. But if you add in, a, a, you know, a specialized search plugin for this niche, it may or may not kind of override that in a non-accessible way. Sometimes things can become what we call a keyboard trap where you can tab into something, but then you can't escape it ever. Mm out with the keyboard. Yeah. So some of those kinds of things, just kind of watching what you add to it. So even if it's good as you start, then choosing carefully what you do add. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, the huge piece of it is what the content is there. And so we put, can put the content in there in a fully accessible way, but then the first time the client touches the site, potentially it's out yeah. of compliance. So we do, we work with clients. We do a lot of training with clients um, as a part of our, um, kind of the builds that we do. And, you know, a lot, some of them are very new to WordPress. So we're doing that just sort of basically as we go along, but trying to help educate them what they need to do and why. And uh, ho so hopefully that helps. But then, you know, we have, you know, sometimes if it's a bigger um, organization, a bigger business, and they're worried about that liability, they're probably going to want to hire someone to come back in and regularly do some kind of an audit to make sure that the content is staying accessible. Yeah, right? yeah that's a good point. I mean, it's it's never a, it will never be a set it and forget it type of um, situation. It's just, we've mentioned SEO quite a bit. It's also performance is another one that I, I put in this bucket of, you can always tweak it and always make it better. And you always have to, track it because just because you launch a very performance site does not mean in six months, it's still very fast. It might've slowed down purely. Like you said, the content that's, that is the number one way that these sites get not broken, but they don't get, I guess, broken for accessibility, right? They don't, um, they're not accessible because of the content they load. All the 10 megabyte images that have been uploaded. You know? Yeah. If you put, if you put in, yeah, gigabyte videos on your homepage and say, well, why did my homepage slow down? Okay. Guess what? <laughs> you know, and regular audits and reviews would catch that. Right. And that is a train training, a constant training and, um, process with that con whatever team is going to be managing the website so that they're aware, but it's, yeah, same as performance, same as SEO. These are never just set it and forget it type of situations and security for that matter. It's something you always have to be auditing. Exactly. To try to stay ahead of, but you know, and, and part of the, the struggle is if it's a large organization with many content creators, how do you begin to help them understand the importance of the accessibility and all that? So I have a, um, uh, an acquaintance who's a uh, the accessibility um, point person. I'm not sure the title but for a fairly large city in uh, in California, a metro area of over a hundred hundred thousand and um, or a million. I'm sorry. And um, so they have a very interesting system because they have all of these content creators in all these different departments. And so they have an automated service that's checking because, you know, in automation and all, all those kind of things, the AI can check content co related things a little easier than some of the other pieces, but these automated checks are happening every week. If you're a content creator and you put in something that is inaccessible, a it comes back to you. Your uh, the notification comes back to you as the content creator. You have to fix it, and and it and it gets noted in your personnel file. If it happens a second time, you have to still fix it. So they're making people fix their own mistakes. That's what I really like about the system, right? And then you um, you get a reprimand in your in your thing. It happens a third time, they fire you. Wow, I bet they learn real quick, right? 
<laughs> they learn and yeah. they're doing it right. Right. It's sort of like you have to put those motivators for the behavior of doing accessible content. Right? Yeah. And there's checks and stuff you could put in place. Um, I'm sure oh, it would yeah. never be fully automated, but at least a checklist of things they need to make sure they check and punch. And um, it's easy to forget things, but. Redo and part of there's a thing in there where you have to redo training. Uh, there's a loop that you have to do some redo some training to. So it's a but you know the, making it a motivator to do it because it does take that little bit of extra time. Make sure everything's got an alt tag. Make sure that everything's you know uh, the the link texts are not ambiguous. All of those kinds of things, right? But um, it's not a huge amount of time, but it it's a little bit, right? So people have to be motivated. Yeah, and it seems like people with <clears throat> With WooCommerce shops, they will, when they think, you know, when they're building WooCommerce shops, they'll think accessibility, they get all stressed around. Oh, what does, you know, how's the checkout experience? What's this? But from this conversation, all the elements of your website, there's so many things that it touches accessibility that almost anybody, you know, whether you're building a WooCommerce shop or you're not building a WooCommerce shop, those issues can easily crop up and they can be a part of the problem. With that said, I, I'm really curious when you're, you know, working, talking with people in your space, out there on your own, doing whatever you do on the web, what is the biggest no-no you see that's like the most prominent no-no in accessibility that you just see time and time and time again? Is there something that just like, my God, this is something one of these days people are going to have to finally learn this one. I think the biggest thing that I notice because I'm, I'm not a visually impaired person um, is color contrast. Right. And so that the, the color of the font and the color of the background don't have enough contrast to make it easily readable or the font size is too small for that combination of background and font. Um, I'm going to guess actually one of the bigger things is, is alt tags on images, but I don't notice those because I'm not using a screen reader regularly. And there, you know, around that note, there is a plug and I'll dig it up, Bob. I think I want to say 10, put it out that auto generate some of that based on an AI service, right? Well, you need to be, there is a plugin that will auto generate alt tags for you. You want to be super careful about that and check them because it's just using AI and sometimes AI goes a little wonky. And so we had a case where we had a photo of a, a man and a child, I'm assuming father and child on a beach, right? Playing on the beach. And the AI generated alt tag was man scares child with mask. And it was like, that is not what's happening in that photo. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, yeah. you, you do want to take care. And, and Probably it might be nice to work that in as like where it auto populates that, but they have to like approve it or confirm it before it. Uses yeah. It and there, there are some plugins that will, um, there are a couple of them out there that will make, will um, you can install them and they will um, go through your media library and show you the alt tags that are there and what, and being used. And you can actually change them kind of from a single page of the dashboard, make changes to them nice like a bulk edit yeah yeah nice um well it doesn't bulk edit them if if they're in a page or post you still have to go back to the post or page to kind of make those changes there i see it says like the default so if you use them going forward yeah but it, it'll show you which ones don't have any and that's good you get, at least get those and um so yeah there's some great 
tools out there. You know, when you were talking, Bob, I realized that we what we didn't say, you asked me about, you know, differences between, you know, regular sites and WooCommerce sites. And that one of the things is probably I would say WooCommerce sites, because you're selling something, you probably have a higher liability for somebody coming up to say to try and will a lawsuit that you're not accessible. Mm, that's interesting. If I'm the, you know, local pest control company and I have a website and it's just my contact form, my liability for, you know, my risk of having that be, uh, you know, if that's inaccessible, being sued for that is probably fairly small next to somebody who's selling products or services on a on a website. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you'll get you'll get um pardon the language, pissed off a lot quicker when you're trying to make a purchase. And, you know, especially if it's where it's you're not able to make a purchase, it's going to draw red flags. The law says that you have to provide equal access of opportunity. Right. So if you're selling something, it's just like you have the brick and mortar store that Brad was talking about that doesn't have a ramp. If you you can get you know, that you, you can have a lawsuit over that, right? And so if you're, the fact that you're making money on this as opposed to a, um, you know, a, a personal blog or something like that, that would be, that's not getting you money. So there's <laughs> options for, for lawsuits. Yeah, you know, it, it, it makes me think of, I just had somebody I invited to a, a podcast and they said they're, uh, they have troubles with their hearing. So, the audio podcasts have always been tough for them. And we decided to move it over onto Zoom. And he said, you know, have you considered putting up the uh, the captions of Zoom? If you have a certain account, you can do those automated captions. And, and that occurred to me. I thought, wow, I never thought of that to offer that. Actually, in my podcast notes, this just happened recently. And to put that in, if you, you know, would prefer that, please let me know. Cause I'd like to be, you know, I do have that available. And if that does help you, uh, so it's, it's what it crops up in this accessibility thing. I mean, fortunately I had a solution right there, but I, it never had occurred to me, you know, unless somebody really brought up the issue, but I thought this person isn't, you know, completely has a loss of hearing. It's just enough where it makes it a little hard in conversation. Yeah. And so, one of the interesting things is, you know, um, the the guidelines say if you're going to have video on your site, that it should be captioned or you should have a transcript. And, you know, the interesting thing is, and I just experienced this this morning. So, like, you know, it's it's early morning. I don't want to wake anyone up by playing a video, but like 80% of people, somewhere between 75 and 80% of people play the captions on social media videos. Right. They use the captions with no sound often on on those kinds of things. It's not just for people with disabilities, but doing that provides more options for more people to engage with your content. Mm. Great point. I mean, if you got kids, you know what it is like. Sometimes you just you can read, but you sure you sure can't listen to anything at the moment. Yep, so. For sure. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm diving into some more video stuff through our meetup, new meetup I'm starting and I'm having that challenge because it's for my podcast, I'm good to go. So, you know, I've got my transcripts. I do my captions when I do video and stuff, but, um, but uh, that kind of threw another wrench into things. So now I'm, 
I'm reaching out to some people and thinking, how can I solve this at some point here? So, so yeah, good stuff. Well, um, yeah, I think we could probably talk about this a lot, but I suppose we all have lives and we need to, you know, move on with the day. So I'm going to um, let Brad kind of wrap this up for us. Yeah, this was awesome. Really important topic and one we haven't really done a deep dive into, or at least not on the shows I've been on recently. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. You guys are doing awesome work over there. I know you're working with Laura, too. She's awesome. She's here in Philly. Um, helps run the meetup and everything. So I've worked with her a lot over the years around the local community. She's So you got a great team over there. She's a um, real quick, I want to give you an opportunity. Where can people find you online? Where they can connect with you? Website, Twitter, other places people might be able to find you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at BetHannon. Uh, B-E-T-H-A-N-N-O-N. And our website is BHM Biz Sites, B-I-Z-S-I-T-E-S. And uh, you can contact me either place there. I'd love to talk with people about accessibility. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on, Bet. And we definitely want to thank our show sponsor again, PayPal. Uh, definitely check out the pay later options if you're not using those. Most stores, I would imagine, are accepting PayPal because everybody has PayPal and it makes it easy, right? So check it out. Um, they're dabbling in cryptocurrency now. So who knows? Maybe you'll be able to buy some stuff with Bitcoin soon. We'll see. We'll keep you posted if that ever gets announced. But you can definitely buy Bitcoin through PayPal. You just can't shop with it yet. Uh, but check it out over at paypal.com. There's some great PayPal extensions on woocommerce.com that you can get up and running very quickly. Um, we also want to just uh, do a call out to our 100th episode, which is coming up, right, Bob? We're on two two episodes away. Yeah, in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. Um, so what we want to do is uh, we were trying to think of something fun to do. So we're going to do an AMA. So you're going to have all four of us on there. And I basically put out that you can talk WooCommerce, you know, ask question WooCommerce, I should say, or podcasting or, you know, really whatever you want. And I, I'm still gathering up some of those. I haven't, I've gotten a, one snarky one that's kind Perfect. of fun, but, um, and <laughs> uh, I'm sure Brad will appreciate that one. So I'll give you a preview on that, but yeah, you can just go to do the woo.io forward slash 100 AMA and you can either leave an audio question or you can uh, you can put it through on the contact form so it's real easy for you to get it to us one way or another so yeah just check that out so wrap it up thanks for joining up another episode of do the woo get those questions in do the woo.io slash 100 ama looking forward to the 100th episode that's a big milestone bob it's going to be exciting so and thank you again bet for coming on and doing great work and yeah pushing the knowledge of accessibility to everybody because i am a big proponent and i believe in it as much as you do and i want the web to be accessible for everybody and it, it, at the end of the day it's good karma and you're doing the right thing besides all the other advantages to doing it if nothing else you know you're doing the right thing and you get good karma so um with that we'll catch you on the next episode of do the Woo.